Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy 94.9 is proud to present this community highlight. The 2016 International AIDS Candlelight Memorial held at the City Square on Sunday, May 15. And now, your Master of Ceremonies, Adam Samuel. Members of the community, family, friends, supporters and random people walking past wondering what the heck is going on up here. Good evening and welcome to the International AIDS Candlelight Memorial hosted by Living Positive Victoria and coordinated around the world by the Global Network of People Living with HIV. I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and waterways we are meeting on today, the people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present. We acknowledge their continuing spiritual relationship and connection to their country. Good evening, my name is Adam Samuel and I'm absolutely honoured to be your Master of Ceremonies for tonight's memorial. Following my MC stint at the Diversity Expo last month, I received a call from Living Positive Victoria's very own Max, asking me if I'd like to MC tonight's event. And after being blown away with such an honour, I couldn't say no to him. So that got me thinking, why me? What can I contribute to this evening? This year's theme is to engage, educate and empower. And while I haven't had a lot of experience in working with the HIV positive community or with Living Positive Victoria or the Victorian AIDS Council, it got me thinking, how is it relevant? When I first started volunteering with Australia's first and only LGBTI radio station, Joy, which is up on Burke Street, I was asked to do a voiceover which, which led to the infamous Dean Beck, who's standing to my left just down there. He approached me and said, I like your style, come and join Shannon, Dylan and myself as we talk about sex to a bunch of randoms in Bendigo. I was the first off the rank for that, uh, for that live broadcast. We broadcast on Joy and to many people inside this old fire station and the very first person I ever interviewed was Brent Allen. He got me engaged and brought my new to the LGBTI community mind into this is what people living with HIV are facing, the challenges that we have and how we all can help. For that and so much more, I'm so grateful of our friendship, Brent. And since you're not here this evening, our friendship just went down a notch, I'm sorry. <laughs> Following that a year later, Sarah, who was the program director at Joy at the time, asked me to be her assistant producer for the Six Day AIDS 2014 conference broadcast. In six days, we met amazing people living with HIV from around the world. We learnt so much from the researchers and the medical team, all the way to a beautiful woman from the country of Rwanda who was actually manufacturing female condoms. And while I was learning a lot, so were our listeners, and for that we are so grateful. So it brings me to empowering, as tonight's theme is educate, engage and empower. I've made many great friends through Joy and the greater LGBTI community who are living with HIV. And the honour of being your MC this evening makes me feel empowered to engage and educate each and every one of my friends and my network on what I've learnt and how they can be better members of the community to get informed and in turn pay it forward. But of course this evening's memorial could not be held without the great support from many people and organisations within our community. We'd like to acknowledge our major partner, the Victorian AIDS Council, our sponsors who make this possible, Joy 94.9, Melbourne Community Voice, the City of Melbourne, our launch supporters, Positive Women Victoria and Straight Arrows, Colin Chrysler, 
for his amazing sound system, our extraordinary volunteers, all HIV-positive people and those affected by HIV and AIDS. We acknowledge Colleen Hartland, MP for Western Metropolitan Region, Steve Demopoulos, MP for Oakley Electorate, Sue Penicu, MLC for Southern Metropolitan, and other members of Parliament for supporting this community event. The Minister for Equality, Martin Foley, has asked us to relay his sincere thanks for his invitation to the memorial. Unfortunately, he can't attend and extends his sincere apologies, and he wishes everyone the best for tonight. The Candlelight Memorial is one of the oldest grassroots mobilisation campaigns for HIV awareness, beginning back in 1983. The International AIDS Candlelight Memorial is more than just a memorial. It raises social consciousness about HIV and AIDS. With 37 million people around the world living with HIV today, the memorial serves as an important intervention for global solidarity, breaking down barriers of stigma and discrimination. It also gives hope to new generations of people living with HIV. In the early 80s through to the early 90s, there were some incredibly dedicated people who established Melbourne AIDS candlelight vigils and the AIDS quilt, some of whom were Tom Carter, Phil Carswell, the late Robbie Quigg, the late Jan Hillier of Pokies fame, Tex McKenzie, Colin Kreiser, and Rachel Berger, who is one of Living Positive Victoria's Enough Ambassadors. They were beginning to see the start of devastation caused by HIV and AIDS. They wanted to be part of a global grassroots mobilisation. We acknowledge their commitment and early activism. They were the drivers of the original community response, and without so many allies, including the lesbian community, many would have been left to face a terrible time of death and grief. Without their support, it would have been far too difficult or even impossible to do what was done. We honour and respect them for their courage and commitment. On this third Sunday in May, we are not alone. There is a coalition of around 1,200 communities, 200,000 people in 115 different countries who stand united with us today. And today is very much about the remembrance of people, including 9,000 Australians who have lost their lives to AIDS. Today we also remember the 37 million people around the world, including the 28,000 Australians who are currently living with HIV. Here are some facts that you may not know. 2 million people became HIV positive around the world last year. 1.2 million people died from AIDS-related illnesses last year. HIV disproportionately affects women and children with over 50% of diagnoses. And 19 million people are still unaware of their HIV status. 15.8 million people are accessing antiretroviral therapy and not everyone has access to treatment, care and support, with about 22 million people still not on treatment. A reminder that there is still so much to do, that is why the global theme of engage, educate and empower is reflective of HIV and AIDS globally and why we need to engage, educate and empower young people globally. For this year's memorial we are focusing on youth and younger people who are living with HIV and or at risk, as they will be the generation to stop HIV and meet our universal goals of stopping HIV transmissions, stopping HIV deaths and stopping HIV stigma. How as we, a community, will take responsibility for HIV, to engage with all people who need education, to empower all people with the knowledge they require to prevent HIV, and to challenge the fear and ignorance that still exists about HIV. Today we stand together as people living with and or affected by HIV. We stand together reflecting and remembering that there are HIV-positive people among us living mostly healthy lives, but we also reflect on people with HIV who struggle day to day and who are not doing as well. Candlelight memorials bring us to focus on reducing stigma, ensure global equitable access to care, support and treatment, and the resources to promote involvement by the whole community, which includes you and I. 
HIV stigma, unfortunately, is still with us, creating negative attitudes, stereotyping, prejudice, and discrimination. HIV stigma still perpetrates the shame and blame game, and it's up to us to stop it. It's now my absolute honor to introduce to you Rowena Allen. Rowena is Victoria's first gender and sexuality commissioner. She has over 20 years' experience in community services, governance, social justice, and LGBTI advocacy. Please make welcome Rowena Allen. Thank you. Can I first acknowledge that we meet on Yurundjeri land and pay my respects to their elders, past and present. And tonight especially, I pay respect to my own elders, the elders of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, gender diverse and intersex community of which shoulders I stand on. Tonight, I'd, un I'd like to unpack the great tourism about HIV, that it doesn't discriminate. Not only does the virus not discriminate, it doesn't even know it's in a human body. In fact, it doesn't even know if it's alive. It's an organism incapable of feeling, reproducing wherever it gets the opportunity. It's us, people, human beings who place the meaning on this, the judgment and the discrimination on people with the misfortune to be, have the location, the virus that reproduces itself. We create HIV stigma and we can end it. So the world has changed dramatically since the first vigil held in 1983. Can you believe 1983? Back then the future was unforeseeable and the hope that today was hard to come by. Back then it was a climate of hysteria and private grief. Many remarkable people rose to the challenge and working with government and medical practitioners all over the world to do something about it, to find hope when hope was in short supply. There are many stories from that time, many stories of women, men and trans Australians. Tonight I'd like to just give you one of those stories. If you would, picture with me a Saturday night, sometime in the early 90s, on a vintage XP Falcon parked in Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. There's a young man wearing giant butterfly wings, singing and dancing to music. Every now and then yelling to somebody as he passed by, Hey, do you want to see my age spot? I don't know his name, but I can tell you he was refusing to go quietly. For me, this is an image that's both terrifying and inspiring. Fortunately, those days are long gone now. As the epidemic has changed, so has the experience of those living with HIV. From those dark days of the early crisis, through long years of profound mourning, to qualified optimism of early treatments and then today. And now there's a whole new generation of people living with HIV, many of those people who don't know anybody who have died of AIDS. But then why does the stigma still exist? Recently, a friend of mine who's been living with HIV for a long time had a heart attack, absolutely nothing to do with the HIV at all. As he was laying there on the resus bed, literally being brought back to life, the first thing he heard was a doctor leaning over him saying, how did you get it? At that moment when a human being is at the greatest vulnerability, insensitivity and entitlement, unhelpful and unwelcome. It just goes to show that no matter how strong, how sordid and how resilient you are, when you're living with HIV, stigma can still come out of the left field and swipe you. As I said, this is only one example, but this is why the work of the Positive Speakers Bureau is so, so important. It's only through people telling their stories and putting a human face to the blind judgment that stigma can be overcome. As I've mentioned, the reason I'm standing here today as Victoria's first Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality is because of the work that people have done before me. This includes those who have been working to end HIV since the epidemic began. And I believe it's an important part of my role to acknowledge the history of the LGBTI community 
and make sure that future generations of young people know and understand that history. So while the issues of today are new, the substance of them remain the same. It's nearly always a story about how seldomly heard minorities can create a space to live their authentic lives, free from discrimination. The memorial tonight, which is happening all over the world, is part of this remembering. Not just remembering those who have died, or their parents, their colleagues, their friends and family, but also remembering the work that's been done to bring us out of those dark, dark ages. And of course, this brings me now to the future. The story of HIV in Australia has always been one of hope. Hope for effective treatments. Hope for an end of transmission. Hope for a cure. While the hope for a cure still eludes us, new treatments continue to mean that people living with HIV are now living longer and healthier lives than ever before. The outlook for prevention is also promising, with the benefits of PrEP becoming more apparent with time. This is a big improvement on the times not so long ago, which remains important in our memory. So while we are here today to remember those who have gone before, it's also important that we remember there is hope for the future, and this hope is built on the bravery of those who have gone before us. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be with you here tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Rowena. We appreciate your constant support, really do. The Victorian government is sure kicking goals this year in relation to supporting the LGBTI community, wouldn't you agree? It's a great thing that we'll finally have a community centre soon where all LGBTI members can work, collaborate and chillax together and also a central picketing place for all the haters. We're now going to hear from two outstanding younger HIV-positive speakers from Living Positive Victoria who will talk about their journeys and experiences of being diagnosed, the challenges of living with HIV, the people who support them, and their hope to engage, educate, and empower you all. First of our speakers tonight will be Ruan. Ruan is a part of an inspirational new generation of volunteers at Living Positive Victoria whose leadership has engaged many younger people to acknowledge their HIV status. He has educated many to take control of their lives and realise they can lead a full, rewarding life and achieve amazing things in whatever they choose to do. Ruan plays a vital role with both Living Positive Victoria as a volunteer, peer workshop facilitator to empower and improve well-being in our community. Please welcome Ruan. Thank you. So in a couple of months, I'll be celebrating my two-year positiversary. Now, I'm not celebrating the fact that I'm HIV positive, but I'm celebrating the fact that I'm HIV positive and alive with a very bright and very real future ahead of me. And I'm celebrating the amazing and inspirational people that I've been fortunate enough to meet on this journey, most of them who I now call friend. So I wasn't always this open and candid about my status, just ready to grab the mic in public and have a chat. Obviously had to add some miles on my journey and I had to ask for a lot of support from my networks and, and people that I care about. And it's really then that, that that's enabled me to be here today. I'll never forget the day I found out. I was in Bilbao in northern Spain with my friends on holiday, having breakfast in the rooftop restaurant of our hotel overlooking the Guggenheim when the email came through. I, I knew it was coming, I just didn't know what it was going to be. And I remember reading the first line and my heart sunk. It had that word, positive. Just before I was able to break down and cry, my friends came out and they were talking about our trip to San Sebastian that day and they were all excited. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to tell anyone. Nothing's happened. We're just going to crack on with this holiday like we planned. So we set off for San Sebastian with a slightly less chirpy, slightly changed, I mean, different Ruan uh, to the one that arrived there, with a very dark cloud hanging over his head that he was desperately trying to hide. 
The one thing I do remember, though, is I was scared as hell as I had no idea what the future held. But on the other side, I was so ashamed of what I had done, because I'd really messed up this time, that I couldn't tell anyone. So I kept the secret. Four days later, we arrived in Barcelona. Beautiful trip. And I've had a fair bit of time to think about my new situation. So I thought, all right, I better get in touch with someone who actually knows what they're talking about. So I looked up what resources they had there, and I found a newly opened pronto clinic in Barcelona. Made an appointment. Turns out it was the best thing I could have done. The nurse there, whilst doing a quick test just to reconfirm, took me through everything. What I can expect when I get home. Uh, what the diagnosis actually means. I had no idea. I, I, I was walking in there blind. But I think the most important thing that he told me was that A, I'm not alone, and B, everything's going to be just fine. And that is exactly what I needed to hear. I walked out of there with a new lease on life, smiling again for the first time since I read that email, ready to face the world again. So I came back to Melbourne and I promised myself that I was going to get involved. One of the things that that nurse told me was working in the community, talking about it every day like it's an okay thing, is what helped him move on. And if it wasn't for that nurse who took the time to tell me what to expect and what was going to happen and educate me essentially, I don't know if I would have made it. So I promised myself that when I get back to Melbourne, I'm going to get involved at some level try and maybe work in the sector or volunteer but the one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to come back and I'm going to make sure that people who are diagnosed after me it's going to be just that little bit easier for them at some level. So where do I begin? I came back to Melbourne and I saw that the Living Positive Victoria had a newly diagnosed workshop called Phoenix. I enrolled myself for the next one. This is where I found my first goal. I want to facilitate this bad boy. I'm now at workshop number three and it still blows me away. I see these guys walking on a Friday. They're scared, they're alone, and they don't know what to expect. We do this workshop and they leave on a Sunday. They're empowered, they're informed, they've got 15 new best friends and they're ready to face the world again. And that's the power of Phoenix. So I've been fortunate enough to, to attend quite a few of these programs and workshops that, that are run by Living Positive Victoria and the Victorian AIDS Council. And the one that spoke to me most was the Positive Leadership Development Institute that I attended last year. This is a workshop where they take a diverse group of men and women who are paused from all over Australia, put them together for this intense workshop for a weekend away in the countryside, uh, where they give them the needed leadership and resilient skills to go back to their communities and be pillars of support. And I guess one of the plus sides is you make amazing contacts to take back with you that are Australia-wise. So there's definite value in it. And it was after attending this workshop that I actually found my first opportunity to be of value to my community. I saw that there was an opportunity for people who are 30 plus, for men and women who are, who are HIV positive and 30 plus, who wanted a community of their own, something that they can be a part of. And it's purely just a social platform that I created. I was lucky enough that I had the contacts and, I, and, and, and the know-how and, and plenty, lots of free time to set up this community that, that we've called the Melbourne Hipsters. So it's hipsters with a V. So they're for 30 plus men and women, it's a social outlet. We hang out, we celebrate the upsides or the pos sides of being pos. But more importantly, it's a space where people can connect, share their lived experience, have social events, but when the push comes to shove, if you need a friend and you need someone who will listen, someone who's been there, someone who's faced the same fears as you have, there's 65 of us now, so we've got your back. And that's what brought me to here, faced with this daunting task. So I can't tell you how many hours I've spent rewriting this speech, trying to get as many oohs and ahs as I possibly can. And then I realized that as a community, we've probably had enough oohs, but we can definitely do with some more ahs. 
So then I had to think, how can we create more R's in the lives of people living with HIV today? Now, I recently disclosed my status at work, and one of the first questions that came back to me via the grapevine was, is he contagious? Now, I guess if I was any less at ease with my status or newly diagnosed, that would have definitely been a bit of an ooh moment. But I laughed and I thought, all right, what can I do to make this response you know, count something? And how can I react to these types of questions and try and make it disappear? I don't want people who diagnose after me to have to face questions like, is he contagious? I mean, this is 2016. Like, people should know better, I guess. I spent a lot of time with these people, and I answered every question, and I made sure that every single question that was asked was, was valid, and, and, I, and I made them feel valid, and I spent time explaining everything to them, the ins and outs, the antiretroviral chat, the transmission chat. We had all of that stuff, and I answered every single question, even the contagious one. I had to spend eight hours a day with these guys, and I thought, well, I'm going to make the best of it, and I'm going to educate them, because I was lucky enough that I was also the trainer for the company. And being a trainer has taught me that people usually see or say things the way they do because of how they see others. Uh, and a massive influence on them would be their, their family and their colleagues, but I guess also the media has a massive impact on how we see things and, and certain opinions that we might have, especially if we don't know a lot about certain subjects. So I thought, all right, how can we use these two resources to our advantage? to create more R's. And the one thing that came up to me was language. So how we use our language. Think about how you say things. The power of the spoken word has so many different connections based on that specific word that you might choose. So, you know, we're talking about stuff like people who are infected or sufferers or AIDS carriers. You know, th these are words that are being flung around in the media or other people talk about. But if you change that word to someone has acquired HIV or a person living with HIV, you can really change the way a sentence feels and the impact that it has and completely take away the stigma that's connected to those words. So that was one of the little things that I thought I could start action and which I'd like to ask you. Think about the language you use. Take the time to stop a friend or relative and gently correct and educate them when they make uninformed statements because every little bit helps and the ripple effect will continue. I mean, I started educating my friends when I was newly born and I can't tell you how proud it made me feel when one of my mates would turn around in a bar and correct a group of strangers who had said something that was just a little bit incorrect. How that made me feel to see my friends stand up for something that they've only just found out and that I've educated them on, I can't put it into words. So really, it starts with you. When the epidemic hit, our hipster forefathers got up and fought the fight that was needed to fight without any thought about themselves or their reputation that we're all so worried about. And it's those actions that make our time today so much more bearable. And I thank them for that every day. But that was 30 years ago, and things have changed. We can't keep living or hiding in plain sight, just happy to be alive. Because the fight's not over. We now have new medications. We have PrEP, PEP rapid testing to name a few, which has created more opportunities for conversation and opportunities for us to engage with our peers and educate our communities than ever before. We now live in a world where zero different relationships are possible, where positive mothers can give birth to negative babies, and where by taking one little pill, someone you love can be stopped from contracting HIV altogether. So yes, we're alive and we live fairly normal lives. And I know it won't be easy. There's gonna be times where you wish you'd never have to think about those three awful letters again. But it will only get better if we stand up and start creating awareness, start educating our communities, and provide our hipster brothers and sisters with the needed tools and information to help them on their way. Not only to end transmission by 2020, but also to stop HIV stigma and improve the lives of those who are living with HIV today. That is our generation's fight, our responsibility. We owe this to the guys who went before and the ones who follow, but most importantly, we owe this to ourselves. Thank you.
Thank you, Rowan. I'd like to introduce the second speaker, who goes by the name of Sarah. Sarah is the Health Promotions Officer for Straight Arrows, a volunteer for peer support for Positive Women Victoria and Living Positive Victoria. She recently adapted and co-facilitated the first ever newly diagnosed workshop for women, Phoenix for Women. After being diagnosed in London, Sarah returned to Australia with the determination to not only better herself, but to seek out a community of support. After volunteering for Living Positive Victoria, she headed off for a soul-searching nine months away in South America. Here, she rediscovered her potential, redefined her life, and returned with the knowledge that HIV would not be a barrier. It would actually help her live her life to the best she can be. Please welcome Sarah to the stage. Two and a half years ago, I sat crying on a couch in the middle of Medellin, Colombia. There are moments in life with HIV that take you by surprise, and this was one of them. Two weeks earlier, I'd started volunteering at Positivos por la Vida, Positive for Life. It's an orphanage for children who are living with HIV. There were 19 children between the ages of 1 and 19. We worked out what my subjects would be, what my skills were, and what would benefit the children. I was a keen soccer player, which is absolutely perfect in Colombia, and I was a swimmer for when they had their swimming lessons. But I also had another skill. I was HIV positive and happened to be the first volunteer that was. This would become mi tema, or my subject. So besides the fun stuff, I was to talk to them about something they never talked about. Not to their family, not to their friends, not to the people in the orphanage, not to anybody. I didn't process it then, but my role would be to educate and empower them. After a week of getting to know the kids, I told them about my status. It was a mix of intrigue, disbelief, and then very, very quickly, all-out sadness. As I talked to them about my story, they began to think of their own. Their little hearts and faces broke in front of me. It was absolutely devastating, as you can see. <laughs> it had been arranged that I would give them a 101 HIV lesson. So I sat up the night before and busily wrote all my notes detailing activities and things we could do to get them talking and learning about HIV. The next morning came, and as I contemplated what I was about to do, it absolutely baffled me. Why was I about to teach children about HIV? I began to cry. How was this my subject? What on earth had actually happened that this was now my expertise? The realisation that this was my subject and would actually forever be my subject hit me like a tonne of bricks. It hit me harder than two and a half years earlier when the nurse told me I was HIV positive. I didn't want to leave the house, I felt nervous, sad, and I just did not want to do it. After several minutes, my natural demeanour returned. Well, Sarah, this ain't about you, and it really never was. This is about 19 young children who have not been given the education around HIV, the emotional support, or the space and comfort to talk about it. This was about educating them with just the simplest facts and giving them the confidence to talk about it even just for a few minutes without feeling fear or sadness. So I gathered myself up and I headed there. As luck would have it, it was postponed and I breathed a sigh of relief and I knew that next time I would definitely be ready. A week later, we spoke about transmission, confidence, fear, stigma, disclosure, and on my sixth and final week, we did it again. Another collective chat that followed up from the smaller groups I'd done in the previous weeks. Now, there were still tears, but this time it was because it was my last day. There was laughter and hugs, 
There was joy in a room where five weeks earlier there was fear, distress and loathing. While in Medellin, I also attended an adult HIV peer group. They had a guest psychologist who discussed with them fear, anxiety, disclosure, resilience, the exact same things that I'd spoken to the children about. Malala, the young girl shot by the Taliban for speaking up about a women's education said, I tell my story not because it is unique, but because it is not. My story is one of millions. I am privileged that I can stand here today and speak up, but this is a story that you can hear the world over. The children, the men in the peer group, myself, we are all bound by an inherent understanding of the same feelings, and it's through education that we can shift our thinking, break the fear, and stand up without shrinking back down. I often think back to my time with the kids and the immense impact that they had on me. I didn't know it then, but their love and their acceptance of me, even though I was forcing them to face their biggest fear, showed me just how important it is to educate and engage. The sheer transformation over just a few weeks was enough to provide me with the knowledge that this is where my future lay. I am, as we all need to be, an educator. We do not only need to educate ourselves, but the wider community. We need to provide our children not only with the how not to get it talk, but the talk that says, don't be afraid of it, or people that have it. We have to destigmatize before there is a chance to learn it. We need a national HIV STI testing day where it is not embarrassing to get a test. It's actually applauded, and it needs to be free and accessible to everybody. We need this to be the generation of championing people who look after their sexual health, as opposed to the generation that thinks a blueberry smoothie will protect them from everything. <laughs> Education is a powerful tool in schools, on the street, and for ourselves. I have learned so much about HIV in the past year, much more than I ever knew when I was talking to the kids. That was achieved on sheer determination, willpower, and knowing that being okay to talk about HIV would literally change their lives. Through my education and engagement, I've been able to teach others, to provide them with a sense of understanding around themselves, and to help them understand their diagnosis. The only thing education can lead to is empowerment. And as a community today, we stand more empowered than ever. My father always taught me that history is our most important lesson. It allows us to understand where we came from and how we got to where we are. I'm so fortunate that some of my history stands here before me today. Many of you have spent your lives dedicated to fighting stigma and discrimination. And whether it's been one year or 30 years, I truly, truly thank you. For every brave step you took, for every courageous moment you had, for every poisonous drug that you trialed, and for every single tear that you shed, and for every time you broke through a barrier and wanted to turn back, but didn't. Your determination has become my determination, and without you, I categorically would not be standing here today. We are a community that comes from a wide range of backgrounds. We are as diverse as we are outspoken. We are a community that has always been ready to challenge the status quo. And today, I ask of you no different. We are blessed in this time to not only have the science behind us, but the technology to reach billions of people. 
together we can drive ourselves into another, another era of HIV. Through engagement, education and empowerment, let this be the time we make possibility not into just a probability, but into a certainty and end stigma, reduce transmission and be at peace with ourselves for a better us, a better community and a better world. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. What an amazing couple of people, Ruan and Sarah. Big credit to the Positive Speakers Bureau. Can I ask everyone now to come and gather around the AIDS uh, ribbon and candles on the ground? We're going to have a couple of minutes of, of silence as we raise our candles in the air to reflect, honour and celebrate the achievements of the last 33 years of the Candlelight Memorials and all people now living with HIV, engaging, educating and empowering them and their health and well-being. I ask everyone to remember your family, your friends, your members, your colleagues who have lost their lives in Australia and globally and as a sign of hope for the future. Please raise your candles.
Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for attending and showing your support to the members of our community living with and affected by HIV. If you're not a member of Living Positive Victoria, I highly encourage you to sign up and also please consider donating to support all of their vital work. Big thank you to the Victorian AIDS Council, the City of Melbourne, Joy 94.9, MCV, Positive Women Victoria, Straight Arrows, the amazing speakers Rowena, Ruan and Sarah, the Low Res Male Choir, the staff and fabulous volunteers from Living Positive Victoria, including Joe Borg for all his work on the Red Ribbon Banners, Colin Chrysler and Campbell for the sound, and to you all. Please give them a round of applause. Go in goodwill reflecting on the power of holding a candle in remembrance and reflection. Good evening one, good evening all. That was the International AIDS Candlelight Memorial for 2016 held here in Melbourne with thanks to Living Positive Victoria and the Victorian AIDS Council, recorded live on Sunday the 15th of May 2016. Your MC was Adam Samuel, audio engineer Colin Kreiser and editing by Dean Beck. We hope you enjoyed this Joy Community Highlights. For more, head to joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.